Well, hey, good morning, everybody. Thank you so much for that warm welcome, Steve. It is so good to be a part of this community. As Steve said, you know, usually my husband and I are sitting in this back corner over here. And like many of you, being a part of this community is just an absolute gift. It's, I mean, we felt it already today. It's like we come in here and we feel the Spirit's presence with us. And then somehow by the time our feet hit Chicago Street, it's as if we are just filled up with hope and encouragement for what lies ahead of us. And so I am so excited to be here. It's so great to be led by the team and, and to be able to, um, yeah, just really get to be a part of this community. And so whether you are newer here, like my family and I was, or if you've been coming for a while, like, welcome to the family, right? Welcome to the family. And let me catch, yes, I love it. Welcome to the family. That's who we are here. And let me catch you up a little bit teaching-wise on where we have been to let you know where we are headed for the next few moments. We have been studying the book of Luke, and most recently we have been zeroing in on this phrase, the kingdom is like. And as I've been uh, you know, following along with you guys and we've been listening to all these incredible passages in Luke, it's as if the kingdom is like this magnetic movement of people. I mean, when you think of magnets, I've got a few here in my pocket. I've got the shiny ones. Can you see these? Yeah? Okay, good. When we think of magnets, magnets have these ability to repel, right? They've got this ability to repel, and they also have this ability to attract. And as we have been studying the words and the work of Jesus, we find both to be true. There are people that are repelled by his grace and his truth And then there is this incredible group of people that feel magnetic towards what Jesus is offering them. And they create this magnetic movement of people that have sounds and have stories. And and I picture this movement like this, three parts, like this. Somebody encounters Jesus, they then receive mercy, and then they tell story. And as that person tells story, guess what happens? Somebody encounters Jesus and receives mercy and tells stories, and on and on and on it goes in the book of Luke. And and I've been thinking about us, this collective group of people finding and following Jesus. And even this morning, we turned to each other and we said, how is your faith today? Like, what is the sound and the story of your faith in which you walked in today? And what would movement look like in your sound and in your story of faith? And many of us have walked in with with a very tangible need or a tender heartache or a joyous celebration or even this curiosity of purpose. And I believe the invitation for us, as it is each and every time we are together, is that when we open the the timeless words and work of Jesus, that he actually meets us in the timeline of our story to cause movement within us to be magnetic outside of us. So let's open up our passage of scripture today. Luke 18 is where you will find our story. This is the story of the blind beggar who receives his sight. Let's read this together. As Jesus approached Jericho, a blind man was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard the crowd going by, he asked what was happening. They told him, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. 
he called out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Those who led the way rebuked him and told him to be quiet, but he shouted all the more. He said, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and ordered the man to be brought to him. When he came near, Jesus asked him, what do you want me to do for you? Lord, I want to see, he replied. Jesus said to him, receive your sight. Your faith has healed you. Immediately, he received his sight and followed Jesus, praising God. When all the people saw it, they also praised God. This is the story of the blind beggar who received his sight. And just out of the gate, I want to tell you the significance of this seemingly insignificant man's story. You see, this passage is recorded in three out of four of the Gospels. And when that happens, we have to pay attention to that tension of what is the significance that three out of four of the gospel writers recorded this story. Well, I believe uh, Jesus reveals a little bit of his purposes. Let's jump up to verse 31. He says this, Jesus took the 12 aside and told them, we are going up to Jerusalem and everything, everything that is written by the prophets about the son of man will be fulfilled. And then he meets our blind beggar. And he meets this man who encounters Jesus, this moment in which he receives mercy, and this music in which he tells his story. So let's learn more about this man, this this blind man. Well, we find out in the book of Mark that his name is actually Bartimaeus. And his name is the compound of these two words, bar, which means son, and Timaeus, which means honor. So he was the son of Timaeus, but think about that. The son of honor, in a little plot twist here, is a blind beggar sitting by the side of the road. Now, Jesus and this crowd, they are on their way to Jericho. And Steve did an incredible job last week teaching us of the significance of this region in its power and its position, and also in the path of Jesus on his way to Jerusalem. So this story takes place right before what we learned last week when Jesus' encounter with Zacchaeus. So Jesus and this large crowd are approaching Jericho, and they come across Bartimaeus sitting on the side of the road. And our man Bartimaeus, guess what? He also has a sound and a story. Bartimaeus' sound is one of begging He is likely each and every day, he is begging for food, he is begging for water, he is begging for provision. He is is begging to see what is even the scene happening outside of him. And what we find in this whole chapter of Luke 18 is that there is actually a spiritual begging that is blessed by God. There is a spiritual blessing that is blessed by God. Earlier in Luke 18, Jesus tells us this parable of the persistent widow who continues to cry out, grant me justice from my adversaries. Grant me justice from my adversaries. And Jesus says, I tell you this parable so you will always pray and never give up. There is spiritual begging that is blessed by God. There is an insistence and a persistence of crying out with our sound that Jesus hears, that our tone is made known to him. Now, I don't know what you think about when you think about begging. Um, two things kind of come top of mind for me. One are the people in our communities that are in incredible need. 
that, that we see them and we turn our face towards them and sometimes we're just, we're not sure what to do. It, it's the sound and the desperation of great need. And on a lighter note, uh, begging, when I think of it, I think of preschoolers. Yeah, right? Please, 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 right? There is this sound of begging. There is this calling out for what you need. And so our man, Bartimaeus, he has this sound of begging, and he has this story of incredible need, and he just goes for it, right? As soon as he finds out who's passing by, he just goes for it. And he says these two phrases, which is the exact right thing at the exact moment. Do you have people in your life who do that? Like they just know how to say the right thing at the right moment. You're like, how do you know how to do that, right? And he says these two phrases, son of David, have mercy on me. You see, what Bartimaeus has developed in a very unfortunate circumstance, a plot twist even in his name, Jesus now uses to allow him to encounter him. Something that he was very, very good at that maybe he never hoped he would have to do, Jesus now uses as a way to encounter him. And just for a moment, I wonder if we could take the truth of that to our seats. Like, what have you developed that you're really, really good at that maybe came out of a plot twist, unfortunate circumstance in your life? Like, what is a muscle that you have developed? What is a strength that you have grown in that could actually lead you to encounter Jesus? Maybe you're an incredibly empathetic person. You know how to, how to read a room and how to relate to people. And, and some of that has come out of how you were raised and just your natural giftedness. And maybe some of it was because you also were in search for safety. And you also had to learn where was the protection and the provision in the room and, and how did I call out to get what I needed. Even that Jesus uses to encounter him. And so our man, blind Bartimaeus, he's got a sound and he's got a story and he goes for this. He says, son of David, have mercy on me. I love that we've already talked about David. I love that we've already talked about faith. Like this is just, it's pulling in together. I love this. Because David and mercy, it's like, a, it's like a firm handshake. They go hand in hand. And Bartimaeus is actually the very first person to use this phrase, son of David. Remember, Jesus is on his way to fulfill everything that the prophets have said about him. Bartimaeus is the first one. It's almost like the pre-triumphal entry of, of, of casting upon Jesus, of hailing to him that he is the son of David, because that's who the Messiah needed to be. Earlier in the book of Luke, we, we read that Jesus is in the genealogy line of Jesus, but now Bartimaeus is the very first one to call him son of David. But then he knows the right thing to say at the right time. Like, he's just so good at this, begging, right, what he learned. He says, have mercy on me. And as we have been studying this book of Luke, we, we find out that people are crying out. They are using this phrase, have mercy on me. It's this call out for need. It's this call out in your desperation for mercy. You see, mercy is the kindness and the compassion from someone for something that could have been punished. Mercy is this kindness and compassion from someone 
for something that could have been punished. And so, and so these calls out for mercy actually originated with David. If we read, if we flip on over here to Psalm 51, he says this, I'll read this over you. He says this, this is David. This is our David here. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love. According to your great compassion, blot out my transgression, wash away my iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin. So Bartimaeus, he's got the sound of begging, and he's got this story of need. And it had me thinking of needs. Hey, you ever notice how hard it can be to ask for what we need? Uh, right? Like, why is it so hard on some of the most practical levels to ask for what we need? I was at my friend's house the other day, and I walked in, and she's like, hey, Jackie, it's so good to see you. Do you want anything to eat or drink? We all know this is where it's going, right? Like, of course I want something to eat or drink, right? Like, you always want something to eat or drink. And what was my response? I'm good. No thanks. I'm good. And on a very practical level, it's like, why is it hard sometimes to ask for what we need? And I think this idea of needs can often be met with criticism instead of curiosity. It can be met with us being critical, like, like I'm just going to silence or shame or, or quiet that need, instead of getting really curious, like, hey, why is that there? And I wonder if we took it one level deeper when people express their need to us, when we encounter needs in our families and our communities and in our neighborhoods, do we tend to meet it more with criticism or curiosity? But here's what Bartimaeus teaches us. He teaches us that our needs can lead us to mercy. That our needs can lead us to mercy. In fact, those, those who were leading the way, they tried to quiet him. They tried to, you know, shush him away. And what did he do? He said, no, uh, uh Even louder. Son of David, have mercy on me. And so we have this man who encounters Jesus. And now here comes this moment in which he receives mercy mercy. Jesus stopped. Jesus stopped and ordered the man to be brought to him. I, can you imagine whose job it was to bring Bartimaeus to Jesus? Like, my bad, right? Yeah, yeah, my bad. You picture Bartimaeus may have a few words for this person, like, you know, na 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 boo boo, like, right? Take me there, lead me there. In fact, I love how, I love how Mark says this. He says this, he said, so they called to the blind man, cheer up on your feet. He's calling you. Throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. This cloak would have represented anything that would have provided some safety, some security, probably his only possession that he could count on each and every day. In your sound and in your story, is there anything that you need to let go of? Is there anything you need to throw away? Is there anything that is hindering from you and your sound and your story to call out for mercy in your desperation, in your need for Jesus? This is what Bartimaeus does. And then we get to encounter one of Jesus's best questions he could ever ask a person. Jesus stopped and ordered the man to be brought to him. When he came near, Jesus asked him, what do you want me to do for you. Now you picture Bartimaeus, he, he's near Jesus, and, and he can't see. 
And if you have ever lost one of your senses, the other senses are magnified. Like, did Bartimaeus know Jesus' voice? Did, did he know the smell of the garlic on his breath, right? Like you're in this moment and Jesus is near. And I don't know how you tend to respond when people are begging for you. Like if people are calling your name repeatedly, if the texts are coming through all caps letter or the emails that have lots of exclamation marks, like if people are begging for you, uh, I don't know about you, but my posture is not to like come near, right? I'm usually like, what? 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 But here we encounter Jesus and we often forget this is that Jesus has a sound and a story as well. And Jesus is here and he comes near. I picture him as close that he could, he, Bartimaeus knew that it was him. And he asked this most beautiful question, what do you want me to do for you? And Bartimaeus answers this exactly how we would expect he would, right? The blind beggar sitting by the side of the road, this is like his shot. And he says, Lord, I want to see, he replied. Jesus said to him, receive your sight, your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus. I mean, what a moment. This is like a a story, a true story in scripture of an instant healing. There are many of these that are recorded, but we get insight into this instant healing. And like, put yourself in that moment. I mean, I mean, Bartimaeus is seeing for the first time. If you've ever watched a YouTube video of somebody seeing with sight, the, the colors and the brightness and the, right, everything that was happening in the scene around him in Jericho, and yet the very first face he sees is the face of Jesus. I mean, what a moment. And we have to stop and we have to say, well, what healed Bartimaeus? Like, how did this happen? What healed him? And if we go back to the text, Jesus says this, your faith has healed you. And as we have been talking about faith, faith is this, this hope of what we're assured of. This word here for faith means this trust, this belief forward, this following forward in trust and believe. And I think about this moment and I think about our lives and, and we often say like moments are passing by. This is like the season of, of graduations and, and this is the season of, you know, moving into this next season of summer and in different memories coming up on our phones and on social, like moments are passing by and also Jesus is passing by. And I often think like, what if Bartimaeus like missed this? Like what if he missed this moment? Like what if he didn't call out for his need on the side of the road? What if he didn't actually ask Jesus to heal him of his sight? And then I wonder for us, I wonder for myself, what tends to steal our moments? What steals our moments? Because if we believe that the Spirit is here, if we believe that he is in us and within us and walking before us, we also have to be aware that there is a moment stealer 
who is ready to kill, steal, and destroy and exchange the truth of the son of David and his mercy for our lives for a lie. And the sound and the song and the story of our lives could sound a little bit different. And instead of this faith that believes forward, we could get caught up in something else. I'm going to let you in a little bit to um, the sound and the story currently happening in our family. For the last eight weeks, it has felt like there has been just a heavy hand on the heartbeat of our family. There was a death of a dream that we had been hoping for and believing for and saving for to come true. Uh, there was the sudden end of employment, which if you have ever had any sudden endings in your life, whether it be a job or it's a friendship or even the loss of a loved one, you know in that season it, it tends to swirl. What, what felt secure, what felt like it would always be there suddenly disappears. And all the um, emotions and the ramifications and decisions and the worry, and for me, it's looked a lot like bitterness. See, also in the last eight weeks, our family, um, my husband and I, and we have four kids, we've had 24 doctor's appointments in the last eight weeks. And I say this because I know many of you are in this, have been in this, or will be in this. And this is what I'm learning about faith, is that uh, what, has, what steals my moment most recently is that I've felt bitter instead of believing for better. Like, I have felt bitter, like, hey, spring and summer 2023 was not supposed to look like this. And I have been caught up in being bitter instead of believing in better for faith. And I wonder in the sound and in the story in which you walked in with today, maybe it's bitterness, maybe it's some anxiety or worry or depression or fear. Like, can you name that emotion that is just calling out for you? And here's what I want to say is that emotion can actually lead you to motion. Like the emotions, we can get really curious about them and not critical about them. And they can lead us to motion. And it goes back to this text of your faith has healed you. Your faith. This word faith. Faith kind of takes place on every part of our timeline. Faith, faith is present. Faith is future. And faith also is in the past. Let me explain. So faith is this hope, this, this assurance of what we are hoping for. And faith is standing in the present and clearly not seeing. Don't you love how Jesus does this? He, he heals a blind man because of his faith and says, I'm going to heal you because of your faith and trusting what's ahead, uh, but you still can't see. Like there's a part of faith that we don't know what's ahead of us this week. I, I'm not sure what's ahead of our family for this week. But the power in faith is that you can hope and be assured of what is forward. Hope and assured of what has been promised, that Jesus has come to fulfill. And it also looks like standing and some suffering and some grief and some unknown and some not seeing. And what has been helping me lately is to also recognize that faith helps us to remember. 
faith also works backwards in a way that there were other seasons that felt like we could never get out of. There were other times that we felt stuck or we felt shame or we needed deliverance and now our story is such and we're in the present moment. And faith has the ability to heal us as we hope forward, as we stand in some areas that we cannot see, and as we remember the past, and we start building and remembering these stories of faith, of who we are and who God has been in our life. And so our man, he encounters Jesus. He receives mercy. And then this is the magic of Bartimaeus. When all the people saw it, they also praised God. Bartimaeus has this music of telling his story. And this is an incredible passage that talks about this instant healing. But I believe in this, that the the magic of this story, the power in this story, is actually in how Bartimaeus told his story. How Bartimaeus didn't stop there. He actually followed forward, and how he described what had happened, uh, who saw it? All the people. Do you remember all the people who were there? Yeah. All the people who were repelled by Jesus, as well as this magnetic movement of Jesus, as well as people who said, Bartimaeus, don't go by him. All the people. And that is how this testimony of faith, this magnetic movement of people continue that we are all a part of. We turn to each other and we say, how is your faith? This is the sound and this is the story of who we are and how we get to be a part of this. And so Bartimaeus, right, all the people, they saw it and they praised God. And Bartimaeus actually was thought to have now walked with Jesus all the way to the cross. In fact, before this, there was called this messianic secret where Jesus would heal somebody and then he would say, don't tell anybody. Don't tell anybody. He would heal and he would say, don't tell anybody. And then after Bartimaeus, guess what happens? Jesus says, go and tell and go and tell and go and tell. And his needs led him to mercy, and mercy led him to faith. And it is this faith that follows. Okay, so this is how I picture it, right? So all the people, all the people are there. So now now they've got to go find Zacchaeus, right? We got to go find Zacchaeus. And I picture this, like, this sound that comes, this music. It's almost like this, this anthem battle cry for what's ahead. And I picture it like this. Son of David, have mercy on me. I once was blind, but now I see. And they go on and on. Son of David, have mercy on me. I once was blind, but now I see. And here's where I think we can feel some movement in our sound and in our story. Is that if we take those couple verses, if we take those phrases... And we just live them out this week to the people we are in community with, in connection with, in our neighborhoods. And we say, son of David, have mercy on me. What are you desperate for, for God? And then I believe he leans in, really tender. And he comes near. And he says, 
what do you want me to do for you? We have his attention. We have his affection. We have his presence with us. And he leans in and he says, what do you want me to do for you? Then guess what? You have a story to tell. You have a story to tell. I once was blind, but now I see. I once was unemployed, but now I'm employed. I once was lonely, but now I'm in community. I once felt so much fear I couldn't step in a church and now I'm here. We have a story to tell. There is a faith that is presence that we can, we can build off what happened and we can be assured of what's ahead. Okay, and here's the beautiful part of all this little plot twist. Martin Luther said it best. He said, we're all actually just one beggar leading another beggar to bread. Each of us are the beggar, crying out in our desperation and in our mercy. And he says, hey, 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 what do you need me to do for you? And then we have a story to tell. And this is where we don't have to be critical about needs. We don't have to be stingy with mercy. Like we are all just one beggar leading another beggar to bread. And that is how this magnetic movement of Jesus continues. That is how you feel some movement in your story to be magnetic for Jesus outside of you. Well, I thought to end today, we could like make some music, right? Feels like the only right response is to actually make a sound with our story. And I was reminded of this old hymn. It's called Blessed Assurance. And if you know anything about this hymn, it was written by a woman named Fanny Crosby. Fanny Crosby was blind from the age of six weeks old. And she went on to write over 8,000 hymns. She has 100 million printed copies of her works and her words and her sound and her story that multiplied. And this is one of her most famous hymns. It's called Blessed Assurance. And it is the sound of sight. It is the sound of faith. She said this, she said, when I get to heaven, what shall ever gladden my sight shall be that the first face I see is Jesus. And so today, as we sing this, I want you to, to think of how that battle cry will, will be for you this week. Son of David, have mercy on me. Maybe even today, there is a piece of you that for the first time is crying out for mercy, to be redeemed, to be saved, to be welcomed into the family of God. That there is this blessed assurance that this is not the end, that this is not it, that we can hope. Maybe today, today's your day. What would you want him to do for you? And what story will you tell this week?